0: I'm going to share How to Walk in the Spirit, Part 3. And this is the last part of How to Walk in the Spirit, Part 3. And we're transitioning into something new. So, I have been covering the last couple weeks this infographic that I designed, How to Walk in the Spirit, And we've looked at walking softly, walk softly, walk simply, walk slowly, walk one step at a time, walk sanctified, walk scripturally, walk stately, walk sacrificially, and today we're looking at two points, and then we're transitioning into something else, and then I have a new infographic that I'll pass out in the middle, but I don't want you to get distracted, and that is walk synchronized and walk to serve. So we're going to be talking about walking synchronized and walking to serve, or walk to serve one another. And then from there, we won't pass it out yet. I, I got this new infographic, and then I'm going to be sharing about five unconventional ways to share the good news. I don't know how far I'll get into this. Five unconventional ways to share the good news that even an introvert can master. (laughs) Because that's usually the, the big excuse for people is, oh, I'm introverted. But we're going to be talking about that. Before that, let me pray. Father, thank you for your words of life. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your strength. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is moving. Now teach us to follow you and help us to be fishers Of men. You've called us to fish for souls, fish for people as we follow you. So, God, give me your words and help lead me in Jesus' name. Amen. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. All right, put your hands on your hearts. Pray nice and loud with conviction. Dear Jesus, Jesus. speak to my heart heart. and change change my life in your precious name. Amen. Okay, now into John 21, verse 4. We know this is Jesus appearing to his disciples, but they didn't know at first it was Jesus. And we've been in this area of scripture for a few weeks now. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, You do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid, and fish placed on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish. Which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish. Say, large fish. A hundred and fifty three. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Amen. We've been talking about walking in the Spirit. And this is what Jesus is beginning to teach His disciples about how to walk in the Spirit in an indirect way here. Peter and the disciples were traumatized by the experience of the cross. It was dramatic. It was traumatic. It disoriented them. And Peter went back to... What he knew was fishing, but fishing naturally for fish. And he worked so hard all night, he didn't catch anything. It wasn't until Jesus came and Jesus' word came and they listened to Jesus' word that they had this huge harvest, this huge catch of fish. And Jesus was reminding them through this miracle which was a sign Jesus was reminding them of his first words to them because remember in Matthew 4:19 as well as Mark 1:17 Jesus said follow me and I will make you fishers of people follow me and I will make you fishers of people but because of the pain of the cross, because of the darkness of the cross, they, they forgot that mission. And the sign was all about God is going to bring such a huge harvest of souls into his kingdom, and he's going to use them, but it's only going to happen as they follow Jesus. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. How do we follow Jesus? We can't see Him physically. We follow Jesus by walking in the Spirit. The Spirit of God is our leader. He leads us. And when we walk in the Spirit, we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We actually overcome the lust of our flesh, and we overcome the realm of our soul, which we tend to live in, rather than the power of the Spirit. This all has to do with our mind, our will, our emotions, our memories. And the only way to overcome the soul that kind of wants to drag you away and get you distracted and get you on the natural things of life, the only way to overcome is to walk in the Spirit. And this is what Jesus is beginning to teach him after the resurrection. They did, the disciples did not know the power of the cross yet at this point. They also didn't know the power of the resurrection yet and he's beginning to unfold that to them. And that's the same with us. Many of us really don't realize the power of the cross to restore us, to heal us, to make us new. We also don't know the power of the resurrection that Christ has come to live inside of us. And as we live out of that we become fishers of men. Amen. Good word. Now, getting back to our little infographic here, walk synchronized, devote yourself to fellowship, walk together, and then walk to serve, live to serve God and, and one another. When we walk in the Spirit together, we become like a net. Remember, Jesus says, cast the net. When we walk in the Spirit together, we become like a net, a net that catches souls. Let me bring out the net here. <laughs> now, this one, I need a, I need like four volunteers here. Okay, to take kind of each side or corner. Well, should be around. We got one. We got Patrick. Who else? Oh, Anna, Lillian, good come. Let's see if we can somehow maybe come back here so we try to get this, come around here. Try to see, come forward this way so we can get this on camera. Now, if you look at this net, it's got some problems. You know, it's got some holes in it. It needs to be mended. Do you know that when Jesus found Peter, he was mending the nets of his fishing boat? Oh, that's oh, yeah. When, uh, no, that, no, sorry. When, Pe- when, I got it mixed up. When Jesus found John and his brother, they were mending the nets. When Jesus found Peter, he was casting the net. Um, but they're po- both are very important, the mending of the net and the casting of the net, because if you don't mend the net, like John was doing when Jesus found him, if you don't mend the net, it's not going to be very effective in catching fish. Are you with me? Yeah. So you see this? Now, if you look, the net is all connected and intertwined with each other. It's, it's all diamond-shaped. And here we have four people, When there is this interconnection in the spirit with one another, we become like a net. And that love that connects us, the love that binds us and connects us all together, like you see in the good parts of this net, that ends up drawing in souls into the kingdom. Where the relationships are frayed... It's like a hole, and fish can easily escape, and we're not effective. So I want to talk to you about the importance of relationship. Relationships in the kingdom are so important because they are like a net which goes into the world and catches the souls out of it. Amen? So let's put this, thanks guys, let's give a round of applause too. Are amazing volunteers. <laughs> so here's our net. I'll just put this net a little bit over here. Before I got saved, I went to a church. It was called Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, and my, uh, my friends at that time began to bring me to this church. I only knew more of a religious church, and in this religious church, We would, and I'm I'm grateful for the good things that I learned in there because I learned some good things. But we would just kind of go in, do our time, and then go out. And that time was 45 minutes. And if the priest went over that time in some way, boy were we upset. (laughs) I remember the the messages were about five minutes long, and it was it was. It was fast food, (laughs) right? You go in, you go out. There we go. (laughs) So then I started to go to Abundant Life Christian Fellowship where Pastor Dennis Hodgillick was pastor, and I was struck by something, and it caught me. And it's the reason why I came to the Lord. I was struck that the people were family. And they talked with one another. And when you went in, they loved on you and they asked you how they were doing, you were doing, and they prayed for you. And then they didn't just leave after church, they talked and ate together, they shared their week with one another. And I was like, and it was hard to get them out of the building. It was like, come on, you know, we gotta, we gotta go. But it was hard to get them out of the building because they loved one another. And it was this love and this family which made me see there is something different here. There was a genuine love, a genuine family. And these people were touched by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Many of them saved in the the Jesus revolution time of uh, the 70s and the early 80s. And there was that, that connection, that family. And I told people about it. I said, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen a family like this. And it drew me. It was that love that drew me in and caught me and opened my heart to the message of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to make a point here. There's a lot of different kinds of evangelism. There's mass evangelism, there's power evangelism, there's street evangelism. I've been involved in all of these, apologetic evangelism, friendship evangelism, etc. And all of these types of evangelism are good to a, a point, but the greatest evangelism, now the word evangelism comes from the word good news or gospel, and it has to do with sharing the gospel and it has to do with winning souls to Jesus. The greatest evangelism that you can do, the greatest tool of evangelism, is your walk. Your walk, your life. Your walk, your life, is your greatest tool of evangelism. And when when our walks are synchronized, and we're serving one another, and those connections are built, and they're strong, it draws people into the kingdom just like I was drawn in. So I would say here the most important evangelism is life evangelism. And by that that I mean your life. And if you look at all the epistles, the apostles are teaching the church to live a godly, holy, righteous life to live like Jesus. And if they lived like Jesus, people were going to come into the kingdom and the kingdom would spread. And so it wasn't about a gimmick or a technique or some latest seminar, but if they would let the message of the good news come into their hearts, and if they would be the message... This would be a light if they walked in unity with one another. This would be a light and it would draw in the lost and it would advance the kingdom. So today we're really kind of distracted many times by different techniques or different ways. But the way has always been the same from the beginning. And it has to do with relationships, relational evangelism. God wants each one of us to multiply and bear fruit. So let me look at a few verses here. Isaiah 52.7. We've been talking about putting on the gospel, the boots of the gospel of peace, or the boots of the good news of peace. We've been talking about that. And so this is outflowing from what we've been talking about. Here's a classic verse, which Paul also quotes in Romans. He says, how are they going to uh, hear unless someone preaches to them? And how is someone going to preach unless they are sent? And then he has this this verse here. I'm just making sure I got that. 52.7, yeah. How lovely... On the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness and announces salvation. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who, who brings, are the feet of those who bring, sorry, I better read that again. My, I need a, a rewind there. <laughs> need to edit myself. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. That's the gospel. Who announces peace, that's shalom, and brings good news of happiness and announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. Hallelujah. The other day, I felt bad for this guy. It was a bit raining, but he came up to me and I didn't know what he was saying, but he came up and he was a little bit, you know, kind of downcast. And he went up to and he mumbled something to me. And I think he said to me, uh, I've I prepared a pre- presentation on the mother of God, would you like to hear it? Now, I'm not too sure if that's what he said. I, I it, it, was, it was raining, I said, oh, sorry, I, I'm uh, busy because it was just about the Bible school was about to start. But then I went away and I thought about it. Maybe he said he prepared a presentation on the love of God. Do you want to hear it? But what, and I can understand he was downcast because probably he was rejected all day as he was uh, going about uh, sharing this. But the thing is this, as we share the good news, there it's good news, right? It's of joy and victory and salvation that Jesus won on the cross. It's about Jesus rose from the dead. And if I had more time, I would have talked with him because I know the struggles of street evangelism and I'm not too sure because he didn't speak so clearly. I'm not too sure what he was saying. But what I saw is someone that was defeated. Wow. Someone and have we ever been defeated? I felt defeated. But in order to share the good news and be a a light, we need to walk in the victory that was talked about. We need to walk in the victory. Know that we have the victory in Jesus. And yes, never in our lives are things going to be easy. I was having a conversation with the Lord one night uh, recently, laying on the bed. Oh, Lord, my heart was just so much in pain. I couldn't sleep. I said, Lord, it is so difficult now. It, I'm going through such a difficult time. And then the Holy Spirit says, said to me about the whole time that I've been here in Australia, he said, has it ever been easy? And I said, no, Lord, it's never been easy. He's, and he said, but I have been with you, haven't I? Amen. And I said, yes. So that put me in a whole different frame of mind, and I look back and, no, I have never had a real easy day. <laughs> There's always been challenges. And still God has been with me. And he's given me his word. And he's guided me. And I have a loving family here. And I thank God for you. And, uh, and I'm happy to see you. You know, if I see your face in the house of God, it brings joy to my heart. <laughs> so uh, I'm happy to see you. But if there was no one here, or just a few of you, I still am saved. I still have eternal life. I am still blessed. And I still have good news to share. I may have to preach to the birds sometimes, and to the dogs, but I'm still going to preach the good news, preach the good news to all creation. Amen? Hallelujah. Look at John 13, 35. John chapter 13, 35. And this month I, I wanna, I feel like God wants us to focus on us being witnesses, sharing the good news, being that net. John 13, 35. You've heard this before. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See that that love is like a net which catches the souls. Before that it says a new command a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, how has Jesus loved us? Well, he loved us while we were still sinners. And so we need to love one another, even if they're sinful, even if they hurt our feelings, even if they do wrong to us. We love and we pray. And and if we see a problem in somebody, we realize that, I might need to pray for them and minister love to them so that they could be set free. There's a commandment that says, honor your father and mother. But some people struggle with that. How do I honor my father and my mother if they were not good parents? And many parents are good and they do their best. And some of them just are so lost in themselves that they leave their children. Well, what do you do? How do you honor them? You honor them by praying for them. You pray for their freedom. You get God's love for them. See, it's not about how people treat you. It's about you coming to know Jesus' love so much, participating so much in his love that you can share that love with others. And so people will really test you and drive you to the Father who's the source of love because people are going to stretch your love, yeah, let's take this, take this. What's going to happen in any relationship, they're going to go this way, they're going to go that way, and there's going to be, there could be some tensions. And this is where, this is where you're tested, and this is where you're driven to the Lord, his power, his cross. And I, I said this before, I was back in New York after very hard, kind of, what was it about, eight years or so, or nine years in ministry, and my heart was broken, Anna was there, and they put us before the church, and they prayed for us, and my pastor had a simple prayer, uh, something like this, help them to love again, Amen. because when you love, you do get hurt, yes, yes, absolutely. so parents get hurt by their children, parents are sharing unconditional love, and Sometimes it's not, especially Christian parents, and sometimes it's not reciprocating. But you still need to persevere in love. Our standard of love is Jesus himself, who perseveres with us, who forgives us, who keeps on forgiving us, and helps us with grace, empowers us to pull us out of the other nets we get trapped in. We get trapped in other nets, like the net of sin, you know, we're trapped in this net of sin. Yeah. And some, man, a lot of people are trapped in the Internet. Yeah. It's, it traps them like a spider web. They can't get out of it. I, I would encourage you, take your phone and put it in another room. And take days off from social media. I actually hope you're on social media so you can be a light, but I don't want social media to destroy you. So take little breaks from it, so it's like fasting. So it doesn't have a hold on you, so you can use it as an instrument for reaching people. You can use it as an instrument for reaching people. When you walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit always creates community. The Holy Spirit always connects us together but the fresh the flesh the flesh the fresh flesh <laughs> the flesh spoils community it rips the net and that's what we see in galatians 5 we'll go back to galatians 5 uh, we won't read all of it here but we'll just go to galatians 5:16 which are immorality, impurity, sensuality. I'll stop here. I mentioned this last week. These three have to do with sexual sin. The first word in the Greek is porneia, where we get pornography today. And this is, we see these are the deeds of the flesh. It's making it clear. Then it says idolatry, witchcraft. But then look at what it says after that. Enmities strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. Everything has to do here in the end part of the list with division and strife and people not loving one another. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And it says fruit, which means love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All of them are one. They are echad, one. The flesh always spoils community, but the Holy Spirit, when we're living in the power of the Holy Spirit, always creates community, because God has unconditional love, and so we have to have unconditional love with one another. There are things that strain the net, and I have six seas here that strain the net and separate the net and break it apart so that we don't walk synchronized and we don't walk to serve and then we end up not being fishers of men. And these are, th- this is what we have to watch out for. Now first I just want to go before I get to that, John 21. John 21, back to John 21 and then just after Jesus restores Simon Peter. So Jesus had just restored Simon Peter saying, Tend my lambs, tend my sheep. And then in verse 18, Jesus begins to describe what is to come for Peter. Truly I say to you, so this is John 21, 18, Truly I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this, he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to them, follow me. Now bringing them back to the first thing that Jesus said, follow me. And when you get disoriented in life, when you have lost your way, get back to that simple statement, follow me. What's God's purpose for my life? Follow me. I feel lost and confused and hurt. Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't always show us everything. He'll give us a glimpse like he does here. But the main thing is that we would follow him. And we do that by being led by the Holy Spirit, knowing the Holy Spirit intimately and knowing his leading. And you learn that over time. It's like an art. You learn it over time. You fail you fall into the flesh. You realize, oh, that's the flesh. No, I need to walk in the spirit. You see, it's, it's like learning to walk. We had little Joseph, and he's a, where's, where's little Joseph? There he is. He's a, little, he's a blessing. We had Davina and Yushi over our house the last couple of days because Yushi was helping us put, uh, or he was doing most of the work, but we were helping him, <laughs> we were helping him. put down a floor in our bedroom, replacing a 20-year-old yucky carpet. And so we were really blessed. Oh. We're, having, we're having lots of fun here with all the wind. <laughs> uh. Yeah, talking about carpet. Well, Joseph is learning to walk. And he's stumbling a little bit, and sometimes he falls. And that's the same thing that happens with our walk, is that there, there could be some stumbling and falling. But we learn, we, we grow. Okay, going on, in this, going on in this chapter, verse 20, Peter turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, that was John, following them, the one whom also had leaned back on his bosom and at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So what did Peter start doing? He started to compare himself with John he started to look at John. What is, what's John doing? What about him? And Jesus said, get your eyes off of John and what I have planned for John, and you get your eyes on me, and you follow me. Are you with me here? It was the same thing with Mary and Martha, and Martha says to to Jesus, why isn't my sister doing all this thing, these things, and... Jesus said, you're worried about many things. Only one thing is needful. And that's what Mary was doing, giving her attention to Jesus. So when we get our attention off of Jesus and onto people and what they're not doing or what they should be doing or why do I have this and they have that, it creates jealousy. We end up in the realm of the flesh. And this happens as you're scrolling through Instagram. So I like, stop scrolling and connect. That was one of my DJ mixes at one time. Stop scrolling and connect. And we're scrolling. And what we're, we're doing is we're looking at pictures. Oh, they have a better life than me. We're comparing ourselves, And all of a sudden, we're in the flesh. And we're captured by this net. Not the net of the kingdom, but the net of the world. And we can't get free. What are six things that strain the net? Comparison, competition, criticalness, when we get critical of one another. Condemnation, when we start to condemn one another rather than intercede for one another. Carelessness, where we don't actually value our relationships and so we're careless about them. And then six complaining. These things, comparison, competition, criticalness, condemnation, carelessness, and complaining, they all break the net and strain the net. And then we become ineffective disciples. Are you with me? But the Lord can help us with all of these things. He can wash us, cleanse us, set us free. And if we walk in the Spirit, we're not going to walk in comparison with one another. We're going to be looking to Jesus. We're not going to be competing with one another. We're not going to be criticizing one another. We're going to be judging ourselves because the Holy Spirit's working and convicting our own lives. So how do we mend the net? Well, I got three things here. Then I'm going to pass out this infographic. And maybe just talk about it quickly and cover it more in the weeks to come. Well, first, we need to nurture relationships. In order to mend the net, we need to prioritize and nurture relationships in the kingdom and in the spirit. We can only relate to one another properly in the kingdom, in the spirit. So we've got to nurture relationships. Next goes along with the second one, engage engage in relationships. So we've got to intentionally engage in getting to know one another and loving one another and serving one another. Just like Yushi did. He said, I didn't know he was going to do it this week. He said, can I help you with this? And he intentionally helped and served. And it was a blessed time and I was blessed and I was encouraged in my heart. Thank you, Yushi. Where's Yusuri? Is, he, is, he, is he, there he? There he is. I was encouraged through that. And then the, the last thing with mending, mending the nets is take time. They all go together. Nurture. Yeah. Engage. Take time. We've got to actually make time for one another. We've got to make time for one another and we're meant to be God's special ops. God's special ops. The O, open up your hearts and your homes to one another. The P. What's the P? <laughs> Let me see. You. Pray, yeah, I knew. Pray for one another. This is what's going to help us mend the nets and be a net. Open up your home and your heart to one another. And that means, you see the early church, they're breaking bread. And breaking bread, sometimes it's sharing a meal, but more importantly, breaking bread is sharing the word of God with one another. Patrick came over the other day, and we were sharing the word of God with one another. And instead of complaining and gossiping, not that we do that, but if you complain, if you gossip, if you criticize, if you compare, then you get out of that meeting with another person and you're drained. There's no life exchanged, But when you break bread and share the word of God with one another, you actually end up building one another up, and that's what you're doing when you're opening up your heart and your home the right way, it's breaking bread. And then you're praying for one another, which we often do here at church and we're soon to do. And then the ops, O-P-S, serving one another. Back to serving one another. How can I help you? How can I serve you? This is the way of the Spirit. The Spirit always leads us to serve one another. This brings us to our last thing. So, before I pass this out, love. Love is like the ropes of the net that are tied together. The love ties us and connects us together. And what does our fellowship look like? What does our fellowship look like when we love? It looks like that opening up of our homes, praying for one another, serving one another. It looks like the nurturing, engaging, and taking time for one another. And so this brings me here, which we'll just start a little bit and then we'll continue next week. And that is... Five unconventional ways to share the good news. So you can take one. And I just made this this week, and it came, I got it printed, and it came in the mail, and here here it is. And it's just a little tool to help us. And also on the Brisbane Fire page, brisbanefire.com, we have a new page on there with the infographics. So you can share the infographics. With people, and these are tools so that you can actually meet with somebody at a cafe and say, "Hey, do you want to do a Bible study together?" You do one you can do like one a week, uh, one kind of point here a week. And there's other infographics like this one on walk walk in the spirit, so you can meet together and and work through it. And everything that I'm teaching you here, every t- all the notes that I'm preparing, all the infographics, is all to equip you and give you tools so that you could start discipling people in your homes, that you could meet with people, that you can share it with others. Are you with me here? It's not, it's not about, for me, it's not, I'm not putting on a performance here. I'm equipping you to be the disciples that the Lord has called you to be. So five unconventional, five unconventional ways to share the good news that even an introvert can master. And the first one is be kind. I didn't hear an amen. But it's, it's simple. Just be kind to people. Kindness is more powerful than trying to win an argument. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, in the past, evangelism for the church has often been you learn a lot of information and you try to cram it down somebody's throat and you try to win an argument. It was all about winning an argument, and it was all about learning a lot of information and all the answers to questions so that you can intellectually convince somebody of the truth of Jesus. Now, the intellect is very important, and knowing the truth of God's Word is very important, but you're not going to win somebody to the Lord merely through an argument or merely through your intellect. It has to be the Holy Spirit's work. And when you're walking in the Holy Spirit, you're like a tree and you're bearing the fruit of love. And people then see this tree, it's full of fruit. Here's this tree and it's full of fruit. And people are attracted to that tree that's full of fruit. And it's like, oh, I'll take that and I'll eat that. And we're meant to be like walking trees going around. And when we're kind to one another, people get a taste of Jesus and the kingdom. Rather than being like a mean-spirited Evangelist, I don't want you to be that. And it's easy for us to be kind to one another if the love of God is flowing through us. Amen. Then the other un- I- unconventional way, I'm going to do the first two and the last one, and then I'm going to talk about the others next week. Listening. Listening is one of the most precious gifts you can give Someone. It shows you love them. It will also open their hearts. Remember, Jesus engaged in a conversation with a woman at the well. He listened to her and asked her questions. That's from John 4, 1 through 30. So listening is not that you have to try to convince somebody at first. You're kind to somebody and you listen to them and you ask them questions. Oh, we're on the... Third one already. (laughs) You listen to them. You ask them questions. You kind of draw out their life story. When people's hearts, when they can share with you and they know you love them because you're listening to them, then they will be more open to receive the word of God from you. So listening, you'll find all throughout the Scripture the importance of listening to God, but also listening to the, those who are lost because they don't feel like anyone listens. And they're paying big bucks for someone to listen to them. People are paying, how, how, many, how much are they paying for a counselor for an hour? What's the going rate? What's that? Yeah, so people are paying $80 an hour. And what do the counselors mainly do? They mainly Listen. And they're paying someone to listen. But we are ambassadors of the kingdom. Amen. And we all have ears. And we can all listen. And they, you don't have to necessarily agree with everything they say. But just listen to them. And then when you listen, then you know the right word. Because the word that's in season, the right word is like apples of gold and settings of silver, as Proverbs says then you know the right word to share. But if you don't listen, how do you know the right word? Of course, there's times where the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you, like uh, Peter, and he preaches the good news, and there's a time to preach the good news. But in everyday life, when you're you're with your coworkers and your family and your neighbors, you want to listen because you have a long-term strategy of... Not trying to convert somebody, but just sharing the good news. And if anybody really knows the good news, they will want to. They will want Jesus. And lastly here, I'll talk about this more next week because I haven't covered everything, is exemplify the message and expect God's power. What do I mean by this? Be the message. It's not merely about words, but be the message. When people see Christ in you, your words will carry more weight. And lastly, expect God's power to work through you. And so it's a good idea to ask someone if you can pray for them. If you find that someone is open to that, can I pray for you? And watch how God works when you pray for somebody. So these are five unconventional ways to share the good news Be kind, listen, ask questions. Zoom into Jesus and his words. We'll cover that more next week because really it's the power of his word that's going to set people free. But their hearts need to open to his word and that comes by you being the message, walking in the spirit. Also us loving one another, being that net, being that family, being that community, uh, intentional relationship. Then they see, oh, they can, if they come and, and you bring them into an environment like this, they can see with their eyes the kingdom at work, which they haven't seen before. Oh, all these people from different nations and different cultures, and they love one another and they help one another. They wash one another's feet. Oh, what is this? And they start to get a, a glimpse of the kingdom of God here on earth. So be kind, listen, ask questions, zoom into Jesus and his words, words, and exemplify the message and expect God's power. Amen. I'm just about to pray, but I just, just one other thing with this, which is almost paradoxical, but it's quite important. Here's our net, right? Notice how there are spaces in the net. And in relationships, we also have to give one another space. (laughs) So we're meant to be connected and have that relationship. But in order for it to be uh, effective, we cannot crowd one another. The net will not be effective if it doesn't have spaces. But if it has too many, too large spaces like this hole in it, then it's disconnected, then it's not going to be effective too. So there is that balance between not overcrowding one another and also connecting to one another. Amen. All of us need space. I need some space, so I'll go for a walk. I'll go for, go to cafe. And all of us need some space, and that's a part of healthy relationships in the kingdom too. You with me here? Yeah. yeah? Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to pray. Father, you want us as your people empowered to be the message, empowered to share the message. We look at Peter, he was fumbling around. And then, very soon, as he waits on the Holy Spirit, he's filled with power. He preaches. And the disciples bring in a huge catch of 3,000 people into the kingdom. That was the day of Pentecost. And Lord, more than anything, we need to be filled with your spirit. Because when when we're filled with your spirit, we know the words to share. Our words have power. We live the life. People taste of the fruit of the kingdom. They experience your kindness and your love. Father, we ask You, we are in need of You. We ask You this morning to fill us with Your Holy Spirit, to make us into those who cast out the net and are fishers of men. Thank You, Lord, for all the fishing of men that has happened through the J.C. soldiers, through this church, through different ministries that have gone on. We thank you and praise you and we're praying for increase and growth and we don't want to get our eyes off of that call. I will make you fishers of men. So whatever we've been talking about this morning, work it in us, Lord. Let us be your special ops team. Let us be your net. Let us be the CIA, the church in action. (laughs) Let us exemplify the message. Thank you, Jesus. Just refresh our hearts in your precious name. As As the team leads us in worship, I want to do one last thing before we end. It's it's not too late, thank God. I want us to get in groups of, small groups of maybe...